Man, uh, I'm, my name is TC, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and actually the privilege of being lead pastor of One Fellowship, the College Park Church's next, next door mission church plant. As you guys know, we've planted, this will be our fourth church that we've actually planted. And what's really exciting about this is that on January the 13th, we begin our incubator at the ministry center. And we look to launch the church in the new YMCA in, in April. And so if you're here and you live in the, in the Pike area or maybe community around Pike and you're interested in hearing more about how you can get connected with this church, then I'll be down here after it's over. We'd love to talk with you and uh, connect with you. Also, if you guys would just be praying for us as we do prepare this. Amen? Amen. Well, what I want to do today is we're, we're going to look at Psalm 132, and, and I want to talk about thoughts for the new year. Thoughts for the new year. You know, it's that time of year again, right? That time of year where we're, we're at the very end of 2018 going into 2019. And it's at this time of the year that we start to become very reflective, right? We start to think about the things that we didn't do in uh, 2018 that we wish we would have done. We start to think about the things that we want to do in 2019. We think about how much weight we want to lose. And we go out and buy gym memberships that a lot of times become donations, right? Because we, we never actually end up going, right? We, we talk about how much money we want to save. Maybe it's, you're, you're thinking through, I want to, I want to do something different with my life in 2019. I want to, I want to uh, buy a, uh, a home or man, I want to change jobs or I'm thinking about going back to school. I don't know what it is, but, but all, a lot of us in this time are really reflecting and thinking about the new year. And, and it's not just us here. This, this is something that happens all around the world. Christian, non-Christian, people are thinking of resolutions and how they want their life to change in 2019. And I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with making plans for 2019. Our God is a planning God. He, he planned our salvation before the foundation of the world. And God calls us to plan. As we read Proverbs, there's wisdom in planning. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing wrong with planning, but the question is, what do your plans include? As you're thinking about 2019, what are the things that you are longing for to experience and see changed in your life? And I want to just let you know that if as you're thinking about that, you're not at the top of your list thinking about how you can glorify God more and do more for the glory of God in the world next year, then you are mistaken on what you should be really thinking about. Our text this morning, Psalm 32, is actually a, a psalm of ascent. And psalms of ascent were psalms that would have been sung by God's people, maybe as they were traveling to Jerusalem for some festival for worship. Uh, they would have potentially been psalms that the priests would have sung as they walked up the steps to the temple for worship. The, the, uh, the, these were psalms that, 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 that were uh, uh, what people were, were moving towards worship. And as they were going in that direction, these are psalms they would sing. But not only is this a psalm of ascent, it's also a royal psalm. That this psalm is also a royal psalm. And, and the royal psalms spoke about the king and, and what God was doing with the king. And, and, and what I want us to understand this morning about Psalm 132 is it finds its, its, its context really in, in, in David and in David's desire to build a temple for God. You guys might remember back uh, in, in 
in, in, in uh, Samuel that God wanted to build a temple for God, and, and, or David wanted to build a temple for God, and, and God told David, no, you're not going to build the temple, but it's actually going to be one of your sons who actually ended up being Solomon that built the temple. And so this psalm speaks about David and his faithfulness and his desire to build a temple and, and all of these things. But I believe that as we look at this psalm this morning, I believe that there are some lessons that we should think about as we step into a new year, that there are some lessons here that should shape and guide the conversation and the thoughts of what we're desiring to do in 2019. And I have four things I want to share with you from this psalm, four things that you should consider for the new year. Number one, build God's kingdom. Number two, seek God in worship. Number three, remember God's promises. And number four, anticipate heaven. So we'll start with build God's kingdom. Notice in verse 1 of Psalm 32, the psalmist begins, he says, Remember, O Lord, in David's favor all the hardships he endured. Now, we don't know exactly what these hardships were that David endured. Now, now we do know that there was a time where David tried to bring the ark, which is also part of the context of this psalm, back to Jerusalem. And as he's trying to bring it back, one of the men died because he actually touched the ark when he wasn't supposed to, right? And, and so that might be one of the hardships. Or, or as you look at David, David's life. We see that David went through times of hardship. And so the psalmist like, remember David's hardships, but, but not only remember David's hardships, remember David's faithfulness. Look at verses three, I'm sorry, two through five. He says, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. David is like, man, I've got a house. God, you've given me a house. I've got rest from all of my enemies, which 2 Samuel chapter 7 tells us. But David does not sit back and relax on what he has. No, David is faithful in desiring to seek God's glory by building a house for David. I mean, for God. David could have been like, man, God, you built me a house. I got all kinds of rest from my enemies. Now I'm just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy life. But David's saw his life and the importance of his life as being faithful to building God's kingdom. And I wonder this morning where we are when it comes to this. When we think about our life, when we think about 2019, are, are, are we making plans to build the kingdom of self or to build God's kingdom? As you think about what you want to do next year, is it include and, and is it covered by wanting to see God's kingdom spread throughout Indianapolis and the world? That, that, that's the question that we should ask ourselves this year. Huh? How will you and I be zealous for God's work in 2019? Who will you disciple? How will you use your time? How will you use your gifts? How will you use your finances this coming year in order to build God's kingdom? How will you serve through the ministries of College Park Church so that College Park's vision of igniting a passion to follow Jesus will spread throughout the city of Indianapolis and around the globe? What are you building this year? What are you, what are you, what are you hoping to establish well, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that anything that you would desire to establish for yourself ultimately will not live past you. 
It won't matter even 10,000 years from now. Are you spending your time building things that will matter for all of eternity? That's the question I asked this morning. Or, or, or are you like the rich fool in the, pro, in, in, in the uh, parable of Jesus, the one who saved all his stuff up and built up big barns and then built bigger barns? He's like, now I'm just going to kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy life. And, and it says, no, your soul is required of you. And he says, be rich towards God. Will you be rich towards God in 2019 by building his kingdom? So we see that we should be building God's kingdom, but notice, secondly, not only building God's kingdom, but number two, we should, be, we should seek God in worship. Seek God in worship. No, notice verse six in the text. Behold, we heard of it in Aphrath. We found it in the fields of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Notice that the psalmist moves and, and, and he talks about in verse 7, behold, we heard of it and, and we found it in the fields of Jericho. He's talking about the ark. You guys will remember that there were 20 years where the ark was separated from God's people. And, 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 and as it was separated from God's people, uh, it was in a place called Kirath Jerem, which probably it could be another name for J.R. And so the, 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 the ark was there. And so David, you guys will remember, went there to get the ark because the ark represented the presence of God. Isn't it so interesting, though, that for 20 years, the thing that represented God's presence was apart from God's people? That's something we should probably think about, isn't it? That's just a little extra one to throw in. You can think about it in the parking lot on the way home. But anyway, uh, so, so the presence of God is, is an ark. They go, they go to there to get the ark, and then they end up bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And then it says in verse it says, I'm sorry, <clears throat> it says in verse 8, Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. It's interesting, that very word is uh, talked about by Solomon when Solomon builds the temple and goes to bring the ark into the temple. In, bring the ark into the temple, the place of worship. But, as, the, but as, as you look back again at verse 7, he, he says what? Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. The, 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 the psalmist desires to worship God. He said, let's go to actually worship God. <clears throat> now, <what's, clears throat> now, in reality, worship under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament was actually, what was actually seen as you went to the temple for worship. But we know that under the new covenant, the New Testament, now that Jesus Christ has come, worship is not about a building, but worship is about all of our lives. Amen? And so in the same way they were going to worship, there should be a desire to seek God and worship from God's people. But you know what? Isn't it interesting these days that people decide if they're going to church or not based on the weather? People get up, they look, some of y'all not laughing because you know you do that. They get up, they get on their little app, they're like, man, what's the weather? Like, I ain't going to church, it's going to rain. You know, and, and, and we, we decide to go to church based on the weather. That might not have been for you. It was probably for your neighbor who decided not to come today because of the weather. <laughs> I'll mess with you. But, but, but anyway, anyway, and anyway uh, we, we decide to go to church based on the weather. <clears throat> we're living in a time 
where coming to church once a month is considered regular attendance in church. Like, that's just crazy, right? It shouldn't be so that, that God's people should desire to seek God in worship through gathering together. Now, somebody's like, hold on a second, preacher. You just said that worship was not about a building. You just said that worship is about your whole life. And yes, it is. But that doesn't mean that part of our worship is not to gather with God's people. Yes, we worship through everything that we do. But part of that worship is coming together to hear God's word, to sing God's praises together as God's people. That's why we read even in Hebrews uh, 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 chapter 10 that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so for some of us, we need to be thinking through that. What is our church attendance going to look like in 2019? Am I going to make it a better effort to be involved regularly in the gathering with God's people for the purpose of worship? For you, is Sunday morning worship a, a thing that is a priority or is it a take it or leave it? Do you, do you get up in the morning and think, ah, I might go, might not, man, the weather, oh man, that, that's coming on TV, or man, my friend called me to get lunch, or, or whatever. Is, is that your mindset, or do you have a mindset of, no, I'm going to the house of the Lord to gather with God's people in order to lift up the name of God and to hear God's word? That must be our passion. That must be our connection. Amen? But not only is worship about a building, I, I, I get that and agree with that, because worship is about all of our lives, that, that all of our life is connected to worship. What we do with our money is about our worship. What we do with our time is about our worship. What we do with the gifts that God gives us is about our worship. How we work on our jobs is about our worship. When we get cut off in traffic, how we respond is about our worship. Amen? So, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, 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 so when we think about that, the question is, what will worship look like for us this year? Are we, are we striving and seeking and going to seek to worship God or to worship idols? And some of y'all are like, well, hold on, idols, I don't worship Buddha dolls. Well, well listen, there are way more idols than a Buddha doll, okay? That, 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 as a matter of fact, anything in your life that you feel like if I lost this, I wouldn't be able to go on. And if anything you put in that is other than Jesus, that's an idol in your life. If you feel as though if I lost my job today, I wouldn't be able to go on, your job is an idol in your life. If I lost my spouse today, I wouldn't be able to go on, uh, that would be an idol in your life. Nothing should hold the place of that but God. That it should only be that if I lost God, what would I do? Man, and you know what? Even good things can become idols, right? Family, children, jobs. You know, a lot of times our idols are taking good things that God has given us to enjoy and making them ultimate things. So what will be ultimate in your life this year? Will it be God? Or will it be that promotion that you're longing for, or that amount of money that you're hoping to save, or that college that you're hoping to get into, or that, that home that you're hoping to buy? What will, hold, what will take over the center of your life in 2019? 
Well, the plea that I have for you and for me, because I need to hear it too, is that God would take that place and we would worship him and him alone. So not only are we to build God's kingdom, not only to seek God and worship, but notice thirdly, we want to remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Notice verses 10 through 12. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. For the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your son keeps my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. It seems as though the psalmist here is concerned, right, because uh, uh, about is God going to be faithful to the kings after David the way that he was faithful to David? Maybe this was even the king, maybe this would even be something the king himself would sing, verse 10, for the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. That there was this desire for God to be with the kings as he was with David. But after the psalmist says this, he, 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 he goes on and he quotes a very promise from God. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. He says, the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne if your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them. Their sons also shall sit on your throne. So, so the psalmist is like, Please be with David, but then he, or, or because of the sake of David, be with the king. But then he moved straight from there to remembering that God promised to be with the king. He, he went and remembered a promise that God said he would be with the king. Now, as we look through Israel's history, right, particularly in First and Second Kings and in Chronicles, we see that, that, that there were kings that were good kings, but there were a lot of kings that were wicked kings, right? There was a lot of kings that were evil, a lot of kings that did not follow the way of the Lord, a, a, a good number of them. And so over time, God allowed the people of Israel and their kings to be taken into captivity by their enemies. And so you think, man, what happened to the promise? But it's so interesting that, uh, that ultimately this promise wasn't about an earthly king. This promise wasn't ultimately about a natural descendant of uh, David in the sense of, uh, of one of those kings, but it, but it was actually about a better king, a true king, Jesus Christ who comes in the world. That's why we read in Luke 30 through 33, uh, and when Jesus comes into the world, and the angel said to her, trying to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be, uh, of his kingdom there will be no end. Brothers and sisters, what this is showing us is that the promise that God made to David actually looks forward to a better David, Jesus Christ, who fully kept the covenant, fully kept the testimony, was perfect in every single way. And this king, this Davidic king, will sit on the throne forever. There will be no more kings. This is the king of kings. Amen? And so what this shows is that God always keeps his promises. 
that God promises and God performs what he says he's going to promise. And so what we've got to do, brothers and sisters, is believe God's promises. I don't know what you're going to face in 2019. I don't know what I'm going to face in 2019. I don't know what good things, what struggles, what bad things, whatever it is. But what I can tell you, brothers and sisters, is that God keeps his promises. And so we've got to get in the condition and the reality of remembering those promises even now, not waiting until the storm comes, but holding to the promises even right now. But get this, as we think about God's promises and and, and we find God's promises in God's word, then we have to be in God's word. I know I need to do better at myself with that, and, and, and we need to do that. We need to be in God's word, but we need to be sitting under God's, the preaching of God's word so that we are rightly understanding God's promises so we're not applying things to ourselves that God never promised us. That's the problem with the prosperity gospel movement is that they're claiming promises that are wrongly interpreted, and therefore people are walking away from the faith because they believe that God is not faithful to his promise. But oh, brothers and sisters, we serve a God who is faithful in every single way. And the greatest promise, get this, is a promise that's not conditioned on you or me, but on the faithfulness of another. That son of David, Jesus Christ, who came into the world and died in the place of sinners and rose from the dead and says that to anyone who will turn from sin and trust in Jesus, they can be forgiven of their sins forever. That's the greatest promise of all, and God will perform it. We must believe it. I don't know what's going to hit you. I don't know what hit you in 2018. I don't know what's ahead of you. But one thing I know is that God's promises are sure and true, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, and we are secure if we are in Christ. And if you're here and you're not a Christian yet, my hope for you is that you will come to know this beautiful promise. There's a lot of things I'm sure that you, are, that you are hoping in, and I promise you they will fail you. The people you're hoping in, the, the friends, the job, the security that you're hoping in, they will all fail you. But there's one promise that can never fail, and that's that God will save you if you will come to him through faith alone in Jesus Christ. If you will turn from sin and trust in Jesus, you can be secure of the greatest promise and the securest promise ever that one day you will be with God. And even as you wait to be with God in heaven, he will be with you now. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's hold to the promises that the Bible gives us, rightly understood. Let's hold to them this year, no matter what we face, because God is faithful. So we see that we should be building God's kingdom. We need to seek God and worship. We need to remember God's promises. But notice, fourthly, we need to anticipate heaven. Anticipate heaven. Anticipate heaven, which is really a part of the promise, amen? But notice where the psalm goes, though, starting in verse 13. The psalmist moves and he says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her 
poor with bread. Her, her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. Therefore, I will make a horn to sprout for David. I, I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. So, so starting in verse 10, we start to, which we just talked about with the promise of God, it's interesting how the psalm moves. In the first part of the psalm, David is wanting to be faithful to build a, a temple for God, right? But God, we know according to uh, 2 Samuel, God doesn't allow that. But here we see the second half of the psalm beginning in verse 10 through what we just read. God says, I'm not going to let you build the, the, the temple, but I'm still going to be faithful to you. And I've got promises to you. And so here he talks about Zion, and we know that Zion would have been Jerusalem, right? The, the place where the temple would have been, it, it, it's, it's, um, that's what Zion was. And so the psalmist is saying that he's, he, the psalmist is actually saying that I've chosen, that God has chosen Zion. That, that's what the psalmist is saying, that God chose Zion for his desired he has desired it for his dwelling place, that God would dwell in Zion. But I want to help you understand something, that now as Christians, looking back at this text, now that Christ has come and the fullness of God's revelation has come to us, we're not, we're not looking for some real estate in Palestine. That, 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 yeah, that's how they look at it, but, but we're looking beyond that to a future Zion, a better Zion, a, a heavenly Zion. Listen to what Hebrews 12, says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So, so you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Hebrews helps us see that Zion is actually looking forward to a heavenly Zion. So as we, as Christians, look at this text, we're not looking at going to Palestine. We're looking at going to the new Zion in heaven. Amen? And so if that's true, then we have to look at this text in th these verses in light of that reality. And so in verse 14, he says, this is my resting place forever. So, so, so God says, this is my resting place forever. We know that God's resting place forever wasn't in an earthly Zion. No, his resting place forever is in heaven, which is what Zion is pointing to. And, and then look, he goes on, he says, he goes on and notice what he says. He says, I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. So, so as we look at this, we see that, that God in, in, in heaven, the new Zion, is going to abundantly bless his people with provisions. Amen? That, that I don't care if you've been poor your whole life on this side of heaven. Brothers and sisters, a day is coming where God is going to come back and make all things new. He's going to reverse the curse, which includes the poverty that we've had to face in this world. And we will be in heaven with God and be totally and abundantly cared for with our provisions. But see, not only that, but, but, it's not, but, but not only is God going to provide for us, you know, I guess with our provisions that way, but, but think about it, man. We get to heaven, God is going to provide for all of our provisions. In heaven, there will be no more cancer, praise the Lord. In heaven, there will be no more diabetes. There'll be no more dementia. There'll be no more uh, uh, sickness or pain. But God is going to be there with us, and we'll be fully provided for in him totally and perfectly in every single way. But not only abundant provisions, but ultimate and full salvation. Look, look at the text again, verse 15. Um, I'm sorry, verse 16. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. Um, 
as we look at that reality, we're not looking forward to some earthly priest being clothed. Because we know under the new covenant, since Christ has come, we don't need a priest to go through to get to God. Amen? But we are God's priest. That's why even 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So, so, so we are a royal priesthood. You and I are God's priests. And we can go to God on our own through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. But notice he says they're going to clothe them with salvation. So, so how would this relate to us? Well, well, there's a day coming, brothers and sisters, where God is going to fully and finally save us. That, that yes, salvation is totally secure for us. The Bible, as you look at the scriptures, we learn that we've been saved from the penalty of sin, which means that you or I, if we were in Christ, we will no longer ever be condemned to hell because of our sin. Man, that's good news. But then now there's another aspect of it where we're being saved from the, uh, the power of sin. And that, that's the stage that every Christian is in. And we're in different stages in that and in different areas. But we're growing and being more like Jesus and, and less like our old man. And we're battling and, and fighting to, to, to do that. So we're being saved from the, uh, the power of sin. But then third and finally, one day, brothers and sisters, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin altogether. One day we're going to be in heaven with Jesus and we're going to be perfect in every single way, never to struggle against sin anymore, never to battle against sin again. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm, I, I hate sin. I hate the fact that we have to battle against sin. Don't you? Don't you hate the fact that even though God has saved you, there's still stuff in your life that you got to continue to check and deal with? Well, the good news is there's a day coming when we won't deal with that ever again. Amen? that we'll be totally in Jesus' presence, totally, fully uh, saved with all of our salvation. Now, somebody might be thinking, well, hold on a second. If we're saved from the penalty of sin, how, how do we know that we're going to be saved from the power of sin, right? That, that, that's that's a, a good question to think about. But listen to what Romans says. In Romans 8, 28, says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified, saved from the penalty of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified saved from the presence of sin. So what we know is that if God has justified us and saved us from the penalty of sin, we know that God is going to take us to the end and he's going to secure and make sure that we will be glorified and saved from the presence of sin all together. And that's what we're going to have in heaven, brothers and sisters. But not only ultimate salvation, but, but notice next, joy. Notice next, joy. Look, look at Look again, and, uh, it says, her, verse 16, her priests I will clothe with salvation and her saints will shout for joy. Brothers and sisters, there's a joy that will be ours in heaven that is unexplainable to know what, it would, what it's going to be like to be in heaven with Jesus. But, but, but here's the thing, some people are like, well, hold on, no man, I want some joy now. 
Well, listen, one of the ways you can have joy now is as you look forward to the joy in the future. See, if your joy is based on your circumstances now, it's going to be floppy depending on what's going on. But if your joy is on, set on the right place on Jesus and the joy we will have in heaven, you will be able to have joy no matter what you face in 2019. No matter what you face for as many days as you live your life, here that heaven will bring joy and we must look to it now to motivate us to have joy even in the present. In the present. And all of this, brothers and sisters, is available because of the victorious one. Look, at, look finally at verses uh, 17 and 18. As we get ready to close. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. That horn might be about victory or, or strength or power. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Well, this ain't talking about, ultimately he's not talking about David that was born in Palestine uh, uh, and was king of Israel a long time ago. This is talking about the new David who came into the world. Amen? And this David has secured victory for us, brothers and sisters, that, that, that he has secured it for us. And he's going to be in heaven and he's going to be wearing a crown. And he's going to be king of kings. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And we will all see him as he is. But you know something else it says here? His enemies will be clothed with shame. And so thanks be to God if you're in Christ. You don't have to worry about that because you're not one of his enemies. If you're here and you're not a Christian... You, you don't have to be an enemy of God. You don't have to. You don't have to live in shame, but you can live in the forgiveness of God if you will turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, the one who died and rose from the dead, victoriously securing heaven for all who will be in heaven on that throne. And so I plead with you, if you're here and you're not a Christian, to trust Christ. Trust Christ. You won't find joy in anything else. You won't. It's not going to happen. It will all fail you, but Christ will ultimately satisfy. Amen? You don't have to be God's enemy. How many of y'all glad you're not God's enemy through faith in Jesus? Amen? Maybe we can give God a hand clap and praise for that. Amen? So as we get ready to close, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about the fact of what you're going to do in 2019. And so I want to leave you with just a couple things to think about. What is one thing you're going to do new in 2019 to build God's kingdom through his church? Something you should think about over the next day or so. What's one thing you're going to do to increase your worship of God this year? Maybe it's increasing your church attendance. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but what's that? what is something? And what's one thing you're going to do to remember God's promises as found in God's word throughout this year? And lastly, what is one thing you will do to help you better anticipate heaven this year? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. God, I, I need your word. I need to believe your promises more. I, I need to know you more. I need to uh, anticipate heaven more. God, I pray that you would help me and my brothers and sisters, Lord God to anticipate heaven more this next year, to build your kingdom more, to remember your promises, to worship you for your good or for your glory and our good. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.